Welcome to Pagora Podcast. I am Helene. In the topic of this month, we are exploring the potential of pop-up stores to drive urban change. Today, I am talking with Thor Dahle from Wirke, who develops policies and instruments to increase sustainability in the trade and service industry. Together, we discuss the future of retail space in large cities and how a platform like Paguro can perhaps help to overcome current hurdles for tenants and hosts. Yeah, maybe just to start from the beginning, could you introduce yourself? Um, or first of all, thank you very much for giving me your time. Sure. I think Paguro is a very interesting and exciting company. So to have this dialogue with you and uh, also to be able to communicate to some of your uh, Customers is interesting for Vika. I think some of them might be our members or potential members. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, we were discussing beforehand that you are the head of sustainability here yes. at Virke. And perhaps you could explain a little bit to the listeners how that also has an impact on retail spaces. Yeah. So, so first, shortly about Virke is the Federation of Norwegian Enterprises. So, our members are people who do retail. Uh, a lot of them in retail, all, everything from groceries to clothes to electronic products. But uh, a lot of our members also deliver services. We have uh, everything from cutters, you know, the hair, uh, yeah. hair salons to uh, large consultancies that are members here. So I'm head of sustainability here. My responsibility is to, uh, as it's stated in our vision, is to prepare our members for the future. So it's both to challenge them in terms of sustainability and sustainable business models, but also support them on their transition from more linear traditional business model to more circular business models and uh, to achieve cuts in emissions to reduce their climate footprint, either through what they directly do uh, or through the products that they purchase and uh, sell to consumers. And when we think about especially people having retail stores, what is the current situation, um, particularly right now with ground floors in cities, mm. or also the, the current challenges? Because the way we came across you was actually um, doing the conference uh, Den Vanskler First Etage, mm. which maybe in English can be yeah, translated to what to do with the ground floors in cities. Yeah. So, yeah, what are the current challenges, particularly with ground floors? Yeah, because we have this issue, uh, not just in Norway, but globally, particularly in the western part of the world, where we see a lot of empty uh, retail spaces on the ground floor. And I think from the retail industry side, one has a tendency to blame politicians that impose strict traffic regulations or zero emission zones. Uh, for uh, the empty retail spaces or the challenges in retail on ground floor or some might do that and others uh, also see it as a result of uh, increased uh, online shopping as a part of digitalization and that consumers or that yeah, consumers prefer online shopping and that online uh, stores are very good at uh, tailoring both marketing and the customer journey through their stores. So, but uh, what I've mainly been working with is um, particularly how government or local policies contribute to sustainability or how they affect retail spaces in cities. And uh, my experience is that with politics is that it's in general much easier to single out and regulate what is visible to us 
to the consumer and the politicians rather than the big structures that often lie behind. So in major cities in Europe, it's uh, easier to impose traffic regulations or uh, zero emissions or no traffic zones that are visible to us and understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Though they may have some effects, the effect is probably much more moderate than to do the larger or more systemic approach with toll roads or adding CO2 tax to uh, fuel prices. Consequently, uh, as a result of this, we might make online shopping more attractive than going to local stores because uh, humans, consumers, we're used to through several years now to be able to drive the car to the store and do our shopping there and um, by now having to walk a while do public transport or bike and then go to the store and find new ways to transport groceries back home if we can't fit it in our bike or carry it that represents a cognitive challenge for us so if you uh, Uda for instance and Colonial you know the yeah. large digital online yes. store they say that uh, it takes five shoppings per customer to have them to uh, overcome the cognitive barrier of shopping online. So they have to do shop like five times in their online store before they are like a returning customer. And we don't look upon the new shopping experience in cities where you don't drive the car longer to buy furniture as like a cognitive barrier. We just expect everybody to manage it. And to, um, well, to help both business and consumers to adapt yeah. to this, this new, uh, new way of uh, moving around in cities is like, uh, it's not just a task for businesses, it's also a task for government to help uh, the local stores or local businesses to flourish even though met with uh, both demands of uh, sustainability and competition from digitalization and online stores. And in worst case, uh, online shopping uh, might uh, contribute to a a more increased emission footprint uh, if you buy all your stuff from Zalando in Germany. And I I like Zalando, I shop there myself. But if you buy all this stuff and you try it out at home and you send it back, that represents a huge emission footprint rather than just going to local store, try it, find the right fit and, and buy it there. And it's also sad if you end up with these empty spaces in the in the local area, and you have this negative. And I probably you probably discussed this in your podcast previously. But if if some stores disappear in an area, you will also see a, a, a turn down in traffic for other stores. So you have this uh, snowball effect in a yes. negative way. Yes, and how the whole vibe of a street might completely change because certain stores are either there or not there anymore. Exactly, yeah. Um, and um, I think something that we are seeing now when with our tenants at Parguru is that uh, a lot of people might have an online brand and an mm. online shop and mm. it's really convenient for them because a lot of people can find them online. And... Um, they use the store as a concept store mm. so to really build up an experience and mm. um, has that been your impression as well that it's going more towards an experience maybe in shopping rather than just going there to try it on just for the practicality of things? No, I think it's a combination of, of, of those but uh, just to give you uh, two examples we have a member, uh, Bohus who is a Norwegian interior and furniture retailer mm-hmm. quite large in Norway Recently, they uh, and they have warehouses uh, located outside the big cities where you have to drive and park, and uh, then you 
go to the back end of the warehouse and they'll deliver your sofa and you go home. But they established just recently an uh, outlet in the middle of the, one of the busiest streets in Oslo, Torggata. And without the warehouse and with curated selected items, so the consumers can view, get advice on the interiors uh, and maybe try out and they can shop. And if they decide to buy a sofa, it will be delivered to your home same day from their central warehouse, uh, preferably by an electric truck. Yeah. So that's that's just that's one way of how we see traditional warehouses do uh, not a pop up but do more a exhibition store on a smaller space in the central city, and we also see that we get uh, multi-purpose venues or store that we see in several cities, more like compact warehouses uh, that might be stores that sell travel equipment, who also are bar cafe for dedicated travelers and that might have a travel agency and also arrange evening get-togethers for people who have particular interest in travels, where they do like uh, uh, breakfast meetings or theme nights. Uh, and in that way, uh, the traditional store manager is more than just a guy who sells hammocks or cups or sweaters, but it's also like a travel agent or maybe a cafe host. So, so there is this combination of... Uh, Multiple venue of the uh, traditional shop workers have to be more competent, give better uh, customer service. You're not just this uh, um, one-stop venue to buy things, but uh, you have to build an attractive uh, warehouse by combining services that are interesting for a broader audience. Yeah, and if you see that from a perspective of using space, uh, it's also really cleverly done because one business alone might not be able to rent the whole space, but mm. then with several businesses um, collaborating with each other, mm. they can rent a very bigger space or use it even more, and maybe also at different times of the day when, let's say, it would be empty in the evening when there's still a travel bar, let's mm. stick with that example, then uh, it could also be yeah used outside of the working hours, for example. And I, I don't think this is groundbreaking thoughts for for anyone mm. in the retail or property industry. I think these are this is trends that they they all see, yeah. uh, and I think they've seen it over a long time that in order to create an attractive retail area, you have to have a good mix of stores, cafes, bars, restaurants. Uh, shopping streets are not longer that attractive that they used to be, and that's also a whole other trend that we see, and that I think increased demands on sustainability is that uh, the current increase in consumption that we see in Western societies can only be sustainable uh, if retail go in a more circular direction. And uh, the, uh, secondly, that in the years to come, more of our spendings will be on services rather than buying new stuff. So uh, circularity, so more items uh, need to be made of recycled materials designed to last longer, to be repairable. Uh, and uh, to be assembled in a way that they can be disassembled uh, after you've finished using them so that yeah. they actually can be recycled. And in terms of uh, services, it's both the phenomenon of product as a service that uh, is a huge trend. Uh, I'm not sure how much and uh, how effective it actually turns out to be for retail, but mm. that goes to see. But it's services like Nabobil, you know, the Norwegian uh, car rental service yes. where private persons both as they can rent out their car or you rent the car uh, at your neighbor. 
but also in the more like basic understanding that we will spend uh, less money on uh, new shirts or, or shoes, but more on tapas and getting our nails done. Uh, or some of us might at least get, yeah. <laughs> get their nails done. Uh, or even fix pants that don't fit longer. So that then you would uh, probably have more cafes or more of these kind of services, ideally, if going in a sustainable direction. And probably also more like the, hopefully, more of the local tailor or repair shop that might fix fix things for you there and then, or even integrated in the store. I was thinking, yeah, maybe then it is a responsibility of the store itself to actually make sure that its products also get uh, fixed in a proper manner. Rather I, than I would hope so, because in yeah. if in the competition against online stores, this, this would, I, I, in my mind, represent a huge uh, advantage that the store actually could fix or give you service or, or fit stuff for you there and then mm-hmm. as a part of good consumer service instead of you getting your product from the store, uh, online store, uh, something breaks or it doesn't fit the way it should and you have to send it back and then wait for them to fix it and then send it back to you. So just to give you another example, a few months ago I bought a pair of new jeans Yeah. and after a very short while the button fell up and it was these kind of metal buttons that you find on dungaree jeans and and obviously <laughs> fault in production. I don't think I break my jeans that easily. So I went back to the store uh, the next day to have it fixed, which they said they would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I delivered the jeans, hoping to get them back within a few days. But it took two weeks. Why? Because the system that they had for guarantees demanded that they should send faulty products back to the factory or to the main office or producer. Instead of just f- delivering it to tailor around the corner and having it fixed there. And then they ended up mistreating a loyal customer and local consumer and also I think the freight of the jeans back and forth uh, uh, the climate footprint of that isn't necessarily sustainable so I think uh, a part of the like discussion on retail spaces in, in cities and um, sustainability is about uh, decentralization uh, and I think that's a key aspect to both consumer experience circular economy and uh, and the development of the kind of personnel Uh, that the customer would want when choosing to go to a store instead of buying stuff online. Uh, And not necessarily the customer in 2021 or 22, but 2030, uh, as we get used to the combination of shopping online and going to local stores. Yeah, um, I'm thinking um, we already talked a little bit about, or you said that uh, it's not necessarily a new way of thinking of mm. uh, building uh, shopping centers more of an around experiences or actually different uh, business models mm. coming together in a store. But how do you think then will the retail area change in the future and what is perhaps also needed to change? Because you are really involved in uh, thinking about how policies, for example, mm. can yeah. change. Well, I think in terms of policies, I think it's important to, because I think a lot of the responsibility for the ground floor in cities for empty retail spaces or good retail spaces has been left to contractors for property managers and the retail industry. But I think as areas dominated by cars and traffic open up, uh, new spaces create new opportunities for a more diverse city scene with uh, cafes, bars, but also general environment that is more attractive for consumers. So I think this is one of Virke's most important points that to create attractive city spaces is a task for uh, local authorities that they have to take more seriously 
and they have to do so in close cooperation with property owners and with businesses. And I think in that aspect, I think that discussion with with property owners and businesses on new models for uh, maybe short time rental is like an in, important aspect and to curate areas. How do we create a city or a space that is attractive for a certain degree of uh, or a certain uh, combination of tenants? Is there currently, if we take the example of Oslo, um, some kind of collaboration where you can see that local um, politics mm. comes together with uh, real estate to think about how a certain neighborhood can be formed and what kind of retail experience should be part of that? I think that uh, Munkbrygge, if you know where this is, close to Søring and the Opera. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, the, this is an attractive uh, area in, in the first place, so I don't think it's that difficult to work with. But you have this area where people can go swimming and bathing and there are restaurants along the seaside. But they also created this open space with a playground for children. Yes. And uh, I think that also the property managers there have curated very good what kind of stores they want in the area. But just by putting up a playground where children can play, you allow for two adults to bring their children and one of the adults can play with the children while the other one goes shopping. So uh, it's just this idea to work with uh, city development or retail spaces. Uh, it demands that you have to work with more than just the stores, what kind of stores you curate in an area. You have to also have access to like green areas, playgrounds, to cycle parking, all this stuff. And I think that uh, politicians or local government should be much more conscious on how they develop these areas to be attractive not just impose traffic regulations or uh, yes. no traffic uh, uh, areas. So they have to do more of like the development side and less of the regulatory side. Though. Yeah, and a lot of the human factor comes into that, right? I mean, that you really think about uh, more in a holistic manner of, okay, what are the needs of the people actually living or coming here? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that uh, I think that changes a bit. And if you're going to both create attractive retail spaces, but also meet competition from, from larger warehouses, uh, if you want to meet that competition, yeah. uh, uh, you should be more conscious about that. And, but in the end, we need the diversity. So I think also that the best uh, warehouses also have this combination of, uh, or they've been actually doing it for a long time, have this combination of in-house playgrounds, uh, restaurants, maybe entertainments. If you look at the Asian warehouse, they always have like cinema within the warehouse uh, and, uh, and a lot of diverse uh, eating space or, or restaurants. Mm. Yeah. And um, if you could think of a... Yeah, future scenario. What do you think what uh, the ground floors particularly look like in the future? I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it will have a, a larger mix or it would need to have a larger mix of stores in uh, these spaces or areas. And I think you need to curate or, or think like a certain areas altogether to create this ecosystem of, of different stores, restaurants, uh, bars and I think you also then have to challenge the property owners because uh, running a cafe might be not very profitable in a mm. certain area but it might be important to draw people to go there to have this mix the possibility to get a cup of coffee and something to eat so hopefully uh, property owners and manager they will talk together and discuss or not discuss prices but uh, they see that the cafe or, or more like services are needed in an area in addition to stores they will uh, find to solve it among them to get this diversity that you need. Mm. Um, I think 
uh, a challenge is that in some areas where stores uh, disappear and cafes disappear, so you get uh, um, banks and real estate managers in the first floor, which might pay a good rent, but mm. they don't draw a lot of people or traffic. And that is a challenge for the area as a whole. So I think that you have to cooperate a lot closer on curating and discussing how you want to work with development, also in cooperation with the, with local government. And I think that in that aspect also that Paguro uh, or the way you work is interesting. I was just about to say that uh, when you mentioned the coffee, for example, that uh, might not be as profitable mm. to the host. I was thinking how often we now have, let's say, coffees or hotels that uh, use their kitchen, maybe only parts of the day. Mm. And um, they now list it on Paguro, for example, so that it can be rented out in the evenings or on the weekends when it's not being used. And I think this is kind of a mind shift or uh, that is taking place that people realize well I do have a space and I can maybe make more out of it mm. not I myself by m making or driving more of my own business in mm. there but realizing that other people actually need the space as well and it's uh, might be an opportunity to actually create that extra income that you would otherwise not make. Yeah, and that's an interesting way of like discussing or, or uh, reflect on your own business. If you run a hotel kitchen, is your uh, main delivery that you produce food? Or is it that you uh, have facilities for producing food? Because that are two different aspects. The one product you're selling is is the food itself. The other one is that you're selling somewhere to create food. And that yeah. opens up for new business opportunities. Uh, I think we have to think a lot less static about what, what the retail space is and how it's used and be more dynamic and explore new ways of um, using that space uh, to create uh, vibrant city areas. And I think also that... Um, Short-time rentals give property manager or owners the possibility to um, explore what might be a sustainable business in the specific location. Yes. Uh, I mean, the huge advantage that digital business models have is the opportunity to, to quickly build prototypes and to test them, develop and scale them or, or scrap them if they don't turn out successfully. But traditional ground uh, floor retail don't have that same opportunity or not in the same scale at least, but still one might test with pop-up stores of different kind and that gives both the business and also the property manager the opportunity to see what works and doesn't work in a certain area rather than making assumptions or making uh, assumptions based on some traffic data. It will yeah. never give you the whole, whole truth about how a business might work in a certain area. And it shouldn't be prestigious for any side if the business fails. You've tried something and it was yeah. maybe interesting, but but it also requires a cooperation on rental prices uh, from both actors to, to find new models for rental. And we see some examples of that. So the right tenant for a certain area might, as I've said before, be instrumental for the development uh, of the area's whole. And the right location is instrumental for any any business. Yeah. Uh, drawing customers for online shopping is expensive and hiring the right location might also be expensive. But as, as one who works with sustainability uh, and as the head of sustainability in, in Virke who works mm -hmm. with uh, enterprises, it's very interesting to see the physical manifestation of, of uh, sustainability in the ground floor that you see that it has some effects already and that uh, if we see look at the trends or the development in consumer uh, habits we see that it will affect how we organize or it can possibly affect the way we organize and, and look on the physical side of cities it has to 
So what I'm wondering then, uh, just uh, thinking from what you just said, do you think then that it's also a bit more fleeing if this, let's say the stores change, uh, that things are a bit more faster in how people consume if they are used to, oh, then there's going to be a new store, a new store, a new store? No, no, not that it will be a new store, but I think maybe they are looking more uh, for boutique stores or boutique experiences yes. uh, to a certain degree and um, less of these traditional warehouse stores, Yes. probably in cities, because that kind of exhibit of a lot of cheap goods you can easier find in online stores. Yes. So, I mean, it's a discussion on how or strategy on how to meet the competition from online shopping and at the same time meeting increased demands for sustainability and combine these two to create a business advantage. Yeah. But then again, I'm not the one owning a huge retail chain uh, of yeah. some sort, uh, having to implement all these changes. It is uh, a major challenge. And I think that one of the most important things to remember when discussing this is that... Uh, Retail, uh, both in Norway but also globally, they uh, employ a lot of people. In Norway, uh, over 300,000 people work in the retail industry. And a lot of them are uh, young people who have their first job. They are minorities who come to Norway and can easily find jobs in bars and cafes. Uh, and there are also uh, a lot of them working in the retail industry, also women. So these are instrumental businesses in terms of getting people uh, into work and getting their first uh, working experience. Yeah. So in all this discussion about sustainability and retail spaces and, and transition, I, I think that's an important aspect to take into consideration. That's why I'm also uh, encouraging local government and politicians to get involved or have a closer dialogue with the retail industry on how to develop these areas and both create possibilities for work and uh, value creations for the cities, not to ignore them uh, and just impose traffic regulations or zero traffic zones yeah uh, but also think how can we create these as attractive areas great thank great. you very much thank you for having me